Well, if you haven't guessed it yet, uh, I'm not Pastor Tim. Uh, I think I'm better looking than. Don't tell him I said that. He's not here. Maybe watching though. Pastor Tim is out of town, and he so graciously asked me to come and and just impart something to you. And he asked me a few weeks back, and I said it would be my honor. And uh, it's always a privilege to stand before you, uh, my home church. Uh, I've had been graced to minister all over the world, but I don't say that you know to be bragging. But every time that I'm in my own home church, I'm almost uh, I'm the most nervous. Uh, it isn't that I haven't prepared, I have, but it's always good to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to help you communicate something. I never want to stand before you or God and say, hey, I have it all together, because I don't. You don't believe me, you can ask my wife, he'll tell you. <laughs> I want to thank you for this awesome privilege today. Also thank Pastor Tim and Miss Alicia for this opportunity. But as I already said, above all, uh, my Father in Heaven who has transformed my life through the blood of Jesus Christ. And how many of you can testify that Jesus Christ has changed your life? Thank God for that. We've been in a series for a while called Real Life. And in our own life, we go through different seasons. And sometimes we ask ourselves some questions, or at least I have. Where am I going? Where do I come from? Why am I here? How do I fit in? And above all else, what does God want from me? What does God want from me? And you may ask yourself that question, what does God want from you? And all we have to do is look into his word and he will tell us who we are and what he wants from us. But sometimes in real life, we forget those things. So today I'm going to talk to you about who you are in Christ Jesus, what God wants from you, but also above all else, when times are tough, what to say concerning real life crises in your life. As Pastor Mike was, was, coming, was up here talking about those five things, that was powerful. I've never heard that said before. It was so powerful. He's my friend, but he's also a minister. And I said, sit down, sit down. That's my message. Sit down. <laughs> I have some, some favorite TV shows, and the two that are my favorite, at least right now, is one of them is called, Who Do You Think You Are? I don't know if any of you have seen that show. I love that show. And the other one's on PBS, and it's called Finding Your Roots. And these two shows talk about a few things. First one is the lineage, talking about people, where they come from, the bloodline of who is my family, and also the quality of the family, meaning what did they stand for? What did they overcome? Because many people, believe it or not, are not from here. We're a melting pot of all the world. And these two shows really helped me, uh, intrigued me on, uh, to find out who I am. And I've been on Ancestry.com and I'm not here to promote a bunch of things. But I've also been looking in the Word to remind myself of where I come from in Christ. To remind me of who I am in Christ. And the Bible promises me this, that I am His workmanship. I am his masterpiece. And now what I'm going to do is present to you some things. And in that, I also want to do a little review. Pastor Tim has been telling us in these last two weeks that life is a continuous cycle of crisis and process. At times, we even create our own crisis. I've, I've been guilty of that. We have to process and respond to the crisis. We respond to the crisis by what we think, what we speak, and what we do. What we think, speak, and do determines the outcome of our crisis, whether positively 
or negatively. Last week, Pastor Tim talked out of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, and he talked about a little bit about that God framed the worlds by the words of his mouth. What are you framing for yourself today? If I was to ask you this, what are you believing God for right now? And if you're grasping for something really specific, then you really haven't spent a lot of time thinking about what you want from God. Is everybody okay so far? I want to tell, ask you this. Where do you think the biggest battle in life is? The biggest battles in life do not come from the exterior. They come from between your ears in your thought life. Because if your thought life goes negative, guess what? Those negative thoughts produce negative feelings. And those negative feelings produce negative words. And those negative words eventually will make you stick your foot in your mouth. Well, can I say that in church? No. Will make you eventually get into some turmoil that you should never have been in the first place. The greatest battlefield is between your ears. And some ears are bigger than others. In this time of crisis, what do you think about yourself? What do you say about who you are? What does God think about you? What does God say about you in the midst of your crisis? I'm looking around and a lot of you have come and talked to me in my office because I'm one of the counselors here and, I, and I've had the opportunity to pray with some of you. And some of you have come through some horrific things in life. And some of you have had a, a long season of crisis because the process is not in order. I love you today and I want to give you something. I'm not mad at you. I just want to give you something. And that is this. That greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. No, 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 no. Listen. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are God's workmanship, His masterpiece. And they, I'm going to read some scripture to you here in Ephesians chapter 2, 4 through 10. As it goes up on the screen, it says this. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. We're going to pause right there. Keep that up. You, when you came to Christ, you have a position that is seated up in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But sometimes Christ has comes and makes us think the opposite, that we are no longer seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And we move on. And it says here, I believe we are in verse in heavenly places, verse 6. And he raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding, great, rich, the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace we have been saved through faith. And not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest anyone should boast. And we're going to focus in on this scripture today. For we are his workmanship. Created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are God's workmanship. 
One translation says that I am God's masterpiece. I don't know about you, but I'm God's masterpiece. You may not like me. I may look funny. I may be a little overweight, but God loves me. I am his masterpiece. My approval comes from him, not from you. See, and that's not an arrogant thing. It's because I realize that I am his workmanship. And when I have that mindset, I'm, I can't say that in church. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. When things come against me, I have to remind myself of who I am in Christ Jesus, where I am in Christ Jesus. That's positional sanctification. Everyone say positional sanctification. When everybody gets born naturally into this world, everybody has an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. You're in a position to receive Jesus Christ. See, but once you do, you are now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, sometimes that's, that's too hard for our mind to fathom. Now, everyone say progressive sanctification. Positional is where you are in spirit, but real life happens here on the earth. That's why the Bible says this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When we get to heaven, we don't have to renew our mind. It's right here, right now, that we have, the Bible says that we have to be being filled all the time, renewing our minds, being filled with the Spirit constantly. I have a friend of mine that uh, was putting in some floors one time, and he and his wife found a guy, and they... They brought him over, and, and my friend invited us to come over to his house and to help him put in the floors. And I showed up. There was somebody else there, and, and of course, my friend was there. And uh, this guy that they had hired um, didn't know what he was doing. He put in the floor, and he glued it down when it should have been a floating floor. There was half-inch gaps, quarter-inch gaps, and uh, my friend was saying, there's something wrong with the floor. And the guy put his foot, oh, it's going to be all right. The workmanship was bad. You ever heard shoddy workmanship? The workmanship was junk. And they fired him. They let him go. Aren't you glad that God doesn't make junk? Aren't you glad that God doesn't have bad workmanship? God created you in his likeness and in his image. You are his workmanship. So we talked about positional sanctification. We've talked a little bit about the progressive sanctification. And there's another thing called ultimate sanctification, meaning one day when Jesus comes, we're going to be ultimately sanctified like he is. But we're going to talk today about God's workmanship. And we're going to talk today about the progress or the progressiveness of sanctification. Bad workmanship. Watch. I'm going to put this back over on the overhead. And it says this again. I remind you of Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In the Ephesians 2.10 out of the New Living Translation, it says this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Jesus Christ so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. There are some things that you want to accomplish in God. I don't know about you, but, but I do. I want to accomplish some things in God. God has prepared for you something to fulfill in life, whether it's a business, whether it's to be a minister, a singer, 
whether it's to be a better father, a better mother, a better husband, a better wife, God has created something for you to accomplish. But guess what? We have to be renewed to the workmanship to be able to fulfill that call or that dream or that desire the way God wants us to do it, not the way Christ tells us we should do it. The Bible also tells us many things. I'm going to talk to you about this word workmanship. Everybody say workmanship. It's very simple. Work and then man, ship, right? That's supposed to be in, in workmanship. It's a Greek word. Here we go. It's P-O-I-E-M-A. And you pronounce that poi, poiame. Poiame It's where we get the word poem. I don't know about you, but I'm God's poem. Don't look at me funny. I'm God's workmanship. I'm God's poem. I just got a built-in tan, that's all. <laughs> this here, this, this word that we're talking about is where we get the word um, poem. It means to fabric and use as to manufacture. It means to construct to position and band together to bring forth with intended purpose. See, you are God's workmanship, and He wants you to accomplish some things in life, but you have to realize that whatever you do, God has constructed you in positional sanctification to fulfill those things. Here's something else. This word poem, I'm going to tell you about my favorite poem. My favorite poem is called, Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night. By Sir Dylan Thomas. And I'm going to read a little excerpt out of this. And I want you to think about what it's meaning. Think about what these words are trying to convey. It says this. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at the close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Though wise men at the end of, of day now dark is right. Because their words fork no lightning. They do not go gentle into that good night. Good men, the last wave by, cry bright. Their frail deeds might have danced in the green bay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Do not go gentle into that good night. What that basically means there is that this writer wanted his father to say, now that you're dying, dad, don't give up. Don't give in to death. You have more life to live. Fight against the darkness and live with life purposely. Now watch. This is something that invoked passion in me. How much more does God have for you more than this poem? You have a purpose in life, but you have to realize that you are God's workmanship. We're going to look over here to my left, your right. You see this piano over here? It's a Kauai piano. There's an island in Kauai, not that kind of Kauai. It's one of the best sounding pianos in the world. The woods are mainly spruce and mahogany. The trees are cut down, cut into pieces and shipped. And these pieces of wood stay for a year to a year and a half to dry. After that year or year and a half, they're put into the factory, to the kiln, 
to dry and then sit for three months. That's called the seasoning of the wood. This kawaii piano over here has a frame, a sounding board, and the action. It has hammers and keys and pedals. It has over 8,000 parts. The keys are struck over 200,000 times to ensure the durability and quality. There is over 8,000 parts in this piano. 230 strings, 88 keys. From the cutting of the wood till it's certified as a kawaii piano, guess what? It takes about three years. All this, all this specification. The potential of this piano to make great music is there. But guess what? I'm not a pianist. The potential is there. God has given you all this potential. And unless you know how to tap into it, it'll sound, it'll sound a little bit like that. So there's got to be some training that we do to discover what God has crafted us to be. Now, if I was a piano, I'd, I'm a pianist, I'd play a little bit, but I'm not. Thank you for the light. I'm sorry, I moved over. But God has created you to be something. The potential is there. Can you come up, Pastor Scott? Hammer and a chisel. Stand right there, Pastor. Just look out there. I won't hurt you, I promise. When a sculptor sees a piece of granite or a piece of marble, he sees something already in there. But what he has to do is come and chisel some of those things away. Why? To bring forth the potential. There's a lot of us that already know who we are in Christ positionally. But we don't really live life in this progressive sanctification. And we pray things to God. God, help me. Help me. Use me. And God says, don't lie. Chips that out of your life. You say, I want to be a good husband. Stop being angry at your kids. Open your mouth, Pastor. <laughs> you can close it. Some of you want great things, but guess what? God has to chip out the doubt and unbelief out of the words of your mouth. God wants to sculpt you to his craftsmanship the way he has designed you to be. You cannot live this mundane life. You are God's workmanship. Ain't that right, Pastor Scott? You are God's workmanship. The Bible says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So why do, I, do you say, I'm no good? God wants to chip that out of you. Why do you say I'll never be? God wants to chip that out of you. The life and time and the days that we live in today, you cannot live with death coming out of your mouth. You cannot. Thank you, Pastor. You cannot. You are God's workmanship. This kawaii piano has to have the manufacturer, the workman, the workman, the craftsman wanted to hear a certain sound. He wanted to hear a quality of tone. What's coming out of your life today? What kind of sound are you producing? Does it line up with the crisis in your life? Or does it line up with what God says you are in his life? In Genesis 1, 27, it says, So God created man in his own image, and in his own likeness he created the male and female. The Bible also says that I will praise you, Lord, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And if I'm God's workmanship, I should marvel and say, thank you, Lord. But a lot of times we don't. 
We focus more on the crisis than the reality of who we are in Jesus Christ. Right? Say with me, positional sanctification. sanctification. Say with me, progressive sanctification. sanctification. Say with me, ultimate ultimate sanctification. This right here, right now in the center, that progressive is always relative. I'm not the man I used to be, thank God. And God is still working on me and he's chiseling some things out of my life. That's a progressive thing. I never arrive until I have that ultimate sanctification in the presence of Almighty God. If I go by the way of the grave or Jesus return and we all fly out of here, we're still going to have to deal today. We're going to have to deal with today, I said, that we are God's workmanship. Another one of my favorite shows is Antiques Roadshow. I also like American Pickers. I don't know if... I don't know if you know what that is, but I'm doing a, this TV guide thing. But in this um, Antiques Roadshow, people bring in paintings, and they think they're masterpieces, but they're forgeries. And other people bring in what they think is a forgery, but it's a masterpiece. And then they rate it as far as what it's worth. And a lot of times they say this, if you would clean it up and take it to a restorer, it would be more valuable. If you put some time and effort into something, guess what? You're going to get more out of it, and it's going to be worth more. You are God's workmanship. There is something that I want to talk to you about right now, and it's called learning to speak a language. Do you realize that the spiritual life is a language of its own. And I'm not talking about speaking in a heavenly language or praying in tongues. I'm talking about there's a way to learn the spiritual life. And I'm going to read this article to you that I read. And it, and it says, learning to speak a language. Suppose you wanted to learn a language, say English, Greek, Hebrew, Arabic, or Japanese. In order to carry through with the simple case of partial personal transformation, some idea of what life would be like, and why learning, why, why learning a different language is valuable must be understood. You must also have an idea that the time, energy, and money that, will ex- that you would extend constitutes a bargain compared to the return of your efforts. The driving force to get a grip on learning a new language is based on desire and benefit. Everyone say desire. desire. Say benefit. The idea of benefit and desire explains why English, the English language, is the most learned and is being learned at a phenomenal rate all around the world. Multitudes clearly see the ways in which their life is transformed by the knowledge of understanding English. There is also a spiritual language that must be learned, and a conscious involvement is required for personal transformation to occur. Spiritual position becomes a reality when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. But what that spiritual position contains comes through personal conscious involvement. Personal conscious involvement. We are all sanctified positionally. But what that is or what that means takes personal conscious involvement. God doesn't want you to disengage your brain. He wants your brain to be renewed to what you are in Christ Jesus. Is this too heavy for you guys? You okay? And he goes on to say this. 
But then you must follow through with patterns that lead to learning the desired language. You have to sign up, sign up for language courses, listen to language recordings, buy books, associate with people who speak that language you want to learn, immerse yourself in the culture, go places where the language is learned and spoken, but practice, practice, practice. If you want to learn who you are in Christ Jesus, coming to church is part of it. Going to small groups is part of it. Coming and, and praying and worshiping, showing up on time, lifting up, listening up, is all part of it. But if you want more out of life, it's not enough. Guys, I'm not mad at you. It's not enough. In your own time at home, are you giving your conscious effort to learn about who you are in Christ Jesus? Are you chipping away and allowing the Holy Spirit to chip away those things so you can discover who you are in Christ Jesus? God loves you enough to tell you the truth and not to leave you where you're at right now. I don't care if you've been born again 20, 30, 50 years. God's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. An infinite God can change your life and give you a whole new career. God can put a word in your mouth and you discipline yourself to study in prayer. And then he'll open a door for you to start ministering to people. He can put a desire in your heart to go help the children's ministry. The cafe, singers, whatever it is. But just going to take a conscious effort. Prayer. I went to a concert in Orlando, Florida. Marcos Witt. There was only like about... 10,000 people there. And I was sitting like about the fifth or sixth row. Praise the Lord. And this is what he said. And of course, he said it in Spanish. But he said this. He said, God blesses disciplined effort. God blesses disciplined effort. A lot of us want things. But we don't realize who we are in Christ Jesus. So we live carelessly. And we wonder why our life doesn't change. If we are God's workmanship, and he's created me to be something phenomenal, I am a work of grace, then there's certain things that I shouldn't be doing in life. The truth is that the wages of sin is still death. And that's not anything hard. It's truth. But realize this much, that if you can't figure it out, we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us, dwelling around us, to lead us on the path in order to know who we are in Christ Jesus. Some of us, we know who we are in Christ Jesus. I'm just reminding you of a, of a few things, that we are His workmanship. I want to read this to you. I want to read Ephesians 2.10 out of the Amplified Bible. And it says this, for we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, if you will, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do good works, which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life, which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. There's a portion there, it says, living the good life. You know God wants to give you a good life. God wants to give you a good life. But you can't live any old way. If I brought this hammer over here 
And oh, Pastor John, I don't like that piano. I can't live in your way. He might want me to break it because he wants to get a new one, I think. No, I'm just kidding. But I, I got to take care of the workmanship. I got to take all the dirt off that painting. I got to restore it and remind myself of what God has given me to do. Let me tell you something, guys. God loves you. And he wants to give you the best. And your desire is the best. But now you have to make a conscious effort toward God for Him to bless you. And I know some of you are going through some hard things. I know you come in my office and I cry with you and I pray with you. But then at the end of the day, I got to tell you this. You got to change your habits. I don't do what I used to do. Thank God I wouldn't have a job. If you, how many of you have children? Okay. How many of you want to bless your children with everything? But if your child was acting a fool, do I have to explain what that is? If you love him, wouldn't you correct him? Wouldn't you show him the way that he should go or she would go? Wouldn't you want to speak life to them and remind them? My wife has a saying like this, the Ibarras don't do that. And so the Spazado kids don't do that. I've been to their house and I know how they talk to their kids to discipline them. And that's not a negative, that's a positive. Why? Because Pastor Mike loves his kids. Yes. And he wants the best for his kids. He wants to remind them that you're a God, you're my blessing, your God is in you. So why wouldn't God tell you the truth and tell you this? Stop fooling around. Amen. Stop shacking up. Amen. Listen guys, I'm not mad at you. But God wants to give you his best. But sometimes the Bible says that the word of God is a hammer. Sometimes it says that it's a whip. Sometimes it's a consuming fire. And sometimes it's quiet. But if you can't listen, God's going to use his hammer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> God cares for you. You know why? Because you are his workmanship. You are somebody to Christ Jesus. And above all else, you are somebody in Christ Jesus. You were formed as God's handiwork, his masterpiece. You can have confidence and say, as Pastor Mike was saying up here earlier, God, I, I'm going to get this promotion. I heard a message a long time ago that said this, God hasn't hidden it from you. He's hidden it for you. But unless you hear the voice of God, you're never going to learn where he's hidden it for you. God is, God has, <laughs> I have all these scriptures running through my head. I just got to keep my mouth shut for a little bit. Because sometimes my, my brain will work so fast with scriptures that I just got to calm down and just speak to you rather than just <sighs> all these scriptures. <laughs> it doesn't do any good in case, if one thing I can leave with you today is this. That you are God's workmanship. You are his masterpiece. You are his handiwork. And in crisis, you got to speak who you are in Christ. Not the negativity. So I hope you receive something today. And I want to pray for you. 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 That in your quiet time, that you would value it and you would understand who you are in Christ Jesus. Father in heaven. You're not only there, but you're also here with us.
I bless your holy name, dear Father. And I ask you to bless my brothers and sisters. Those that have come home, dear Lord, that they've heard a word today that will change their lives. The ones that already understand, dear Lord, that they would just be reminded again and again that they are somebody in you. Our approval, our identity comes from you. We are the sheep of your pastor. And you have made us and we have not made ourselves. I would pray that you, Holy Spirit, breathe on the inside of us. And let us see who we are in you. We don't compare ourselves among ourselves like the unwise according to scripture. But we are accepted by you. We are loved by you. And I just believe that today that there is... There's a lady here that's gone through some horrible things in her life and you feel like you're worthless. The Spirit of God tells you that you are his child. The Spirit of God tells you that you are his workmanship created in his image and his likeness. Keep coming to him and he will bless you and your life will be transformed. Father, I thank you for this opportunity that I've had with my brothers and sisters. That you would reveal to them the things that you have spoken here today. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.